Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. I promise it'll be a good one. From Timeform U.S., we have Craig Milkowski. He is the uh, brainchild behind this timing system that's a great handicapping tool. And this week in the TVG Pacific Classic, there's been controversy about the final time. They've already altered the buyer figures, and it looks like uh, Timeform has something uh, uh, to say about that. So it'll be very interesting uh, uh, to learn about Craig. He has uh, quite a, a storied past. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, he was part of the armed forces before he took on his responsibilities at Timeform. Also with us, a gentleman that's been here before, a top handicapper from the Daily Racing Forum. You can read him weekly. Byron King will be capping with us. And, of course, it's closing weekend at Saratoga, so there's going to be plenty to talk about up there. We've got the big baby races on Saturday and Sunday in the hopeful and the spinster, uh, the spin away. And then um, the races that we're going to be handicapping will be the Woodward, which sad to say we just had a late defection. It looks like Fort Larned and our friend Brian Hernandez will not be going to post, had some rear end issues, and they said we're just going to kind of wait and train him up to a race down at Belmont uh, rather than take the chance in there. So we'll talk about the Woodward. Uh, then the, the grade one for go, that looks like an interesting uh, race. Uh, Going seven furlongs, always a challenging distance. We'll have some speedsters in there. Might see some of these horses in the Breeders' Cup sprint down the road. And then uh, we're going to go to the Bernard Baruch Handicap at Saratoga on the grass. Mile and a 16th grade two race. And then out to Del Mar with a race that's produced many a top filly. And it is the Del Mar debutante where Bob Baffert, he's got three of them in there. And if he can win it, he will tie Hall of Famer D. Wayne Lucas with eight wins in the Del Mar debutante. And he's got awesome baby in there who really does, in fact, look awesome. So uh, looking forward to talking to uh, Craig and Byron on the show. Uh, Hope that you've been uh, going up on the Winning Pony site. We've had some really nice hits this week. Um, No sooner uh, were we completing the show last week than on Friday uh, came out with a nice uh, Superfecta at Monmouth, $860 there. Then on um, on Monday at Mountaineer, we hit a Super for $316. Also on Monday at Saratoga, we nailed the Superfecta in the eighth race for $618. And the hits, well, they just kept coming uh, over at Mountaineer on Monday, $644 for a pick three. And then on Tuesday, again, at Mountaineer, where Winning Ponies has been doing very well, $3,124 in the fifth race super. Continued on into uh, Tuesday, where we had uh, three winners. Matt Mountaineer, a pick four, paid 369 And then at Fort Erie, we had a super in the sixth, $1,915. And uh, continued on early in the week at Parks, $211 pick three. So uh, uh, I hope that you are 
going up to the website and pulling down the forms. They're easy to use, and I hope that you get a winner at a racetrack near you. Well, I mentioned briefly the controversy in the uh, TVG Pacific Classic, uh, but there sure wasn't any controversy about who won the race and how easy he won it. It was game on dude getting the win there. Of course, uh, game on dude uh, won, I believe, by the largest margin ever, Eight and a half lengths. Now, uh, what uh, Bob Baffert did was he scratched liaison out of the race because you may recall that Joel Rosario got injured the day before, and he was supposed to be named on Game On Dude, but Martin Garcia substituted for him and did a great job. Mike Smith, who's the usual pilot of Game On Dude, uh, opted to ride in the personal ensign, and that wasn't a bad call either. Royal Delta was just easy winner in the grade one personal ensign. Horatio finished second in last year, but it was all game on dude out at Del Mar. And then, of course, uh, it, was a, it was a big day out there. They, they showed great numbers that we have to get back to the spot because, let's face it, the, the Travers card, it grew a, a solid crowd on television. They had one of their best crowds ever. And the Travers Stakes, you just can't throw out the Hall of Famer. D. Wayne Lucas does it with will take charge. He just grinded it out. Louis Saez riding the horse for the first time just was powerful down the stretch. Every stride got closer and closer, but it was the speedster Moreno who put away Verrazano. 31 to 1. Moreno was right there. He gave up the lead briefly to Kentucky Derby winner Orb, but then Moreno fought back and got his head in front. But then again, charging down the middle of the track, coming off the rail, will take charge, gets it done for D. Wayne Lucas. Congratulations to him. This is just another son of unbridled song. It seems like ever since he passed away three weeks ago, his horses have been winning at an amazing rate so hats off to the coach d wayne lucas gets the job done in the traverse stakes it'll be interesting to see what happens down the road uh because it looks like uh there's could be a square off in the pennsylvania derby well let's get to uh some other news big news nationally is that in the 2014 Breeders' Cup races, Lasix will be allowed. It looks like the horsemen have pretty much gotten their way. Uh, this was uh, a policy at a meeting at the California Horse Racing Board, and uh, the, the Breeders' Cup uh, pretty much has uh, acquiesced to to the horsemen here, and uh, it looks like it's going to happen. So uh, we will uh, be looking to a Lasix-free juvenile race this year, but after that they will. And I think part of it is if they want to move the race to some other states that uh, they wouldn't be able to use uh, Lasix, and a lot of the horsemen said, well, we're just going to boycott it. You know, my horse races on it, and I don't want them on race day not to be able to do it. Well, now on a sad uh, kind of a personal note, uh, somebody that a lot of you that have raced uh, horses around the country have come in touch with this gentleman and sad to say he left us too early at the age of 62. And that's Jeff Cody. Uh, Jeff Cody of Cody Photography. Uh, they uh, have uh, the contract at, at 
tracks just all over the place. A class act. He started the company with his brother Jack, uh, one of the most respected uh, wind circle photography companies in in racing. Uh, I'm personal friends with his son Curtis, and uh, uh, heartfelt uh, a loss goes out to him. Uh, there were Cody's were everywhere, and they worked together, and uh, they they seemed to have fun doing their job, and everybody in the sport respected him. So uh, uh, seriously, uh, we will will miss Jeff Cody, but we know that they'll carry on the uh, the family tradition. Um, as tough as this game is, we hear about Ramon Dominguez and some of the top riders getting hurt. Well, uh, Ray. Bulgado, who is an exercise rider for Nick Zito, went down this week, and it looks like he has a broken neck. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean he won't come back, but it just reminds you of all the important people that risk their lives every day uh, for our entertainment in this sport, and we certainly uh, send prayers out for him and uh, hope that he comes back in a, uh, a fine fettle and will be galloping for Zito again sometime in the near future. Well, as you know, we like to keep you up on different websites that are going on. Uh, we will be having Byron King from the Daily Racing Forum later in the show. Well, the Forum just came out with their first edition of Breeding Today. Daily Racing Forum, Breeding Today. Of course, Mark Simon, who moved over from the Thoroughbred Times, is heading up this effort. And let me tell you, Get it on there. Get it on your, your favorites. It's totally free. DRF Breeding Today. Um, speaking of speed figures, later on in the show with Craig Milkowski, uh, this is uh, uh, Andy Buyer land where I, I, if you're going to the sale, you can find out the, the top buyer figures of different horses. But uh, it tells you all kinds of things about what's going on in the world of breeding. It also tells you about what's happening in the sales. Uh, it's really it's up to, to beat. It's fresh and um, it's free. So uh, feel free to go up in the daily racing form and sign up. You'll be getting a newsletter in your mailbox. And uh, like I said, uh, my hats off to Mark Simon and his staff, Joe Nevels, who we've had on the show uh, many times is part of the team that has put that together. And it's uh, totally free. Okay. On your bucket list, I told you this a year ago, Kentucky Downs. Uh, you got to get there. It's right on the border in southern Kentucky in a place called Franklin. Well, if you want to go there, try Wednesday, September 11th. There's going to be a fundraiser for the Permanently Disabled Jockeys Fund. It'll be the second day of the meet. And you're going to have uh, Calvin Burrell, Pat Day, Eddie Maple, Chris McCarron, Randy Romero, and Gary Stevens are all going to be there. Uh, many of the jockeys will be riding, but Kentucky Downs is going to give uh, photos and playing cards out uh, for the jockeys to autograph from uh, noon to one. Uh, all you need is a $10 donation to the PDJF. They, they request that. So a great chance to get up close to a lot of Hall of Famers down at Kentucky Downs, and I'm telling you, it is something that is definitely worth going to. Uh, we've been giving you weekly updates on St. Nicholas Abbey, uh, the uh, Breeders' Cup winner, and uh, he had a bit of a setback with his injury over in England. Some of the screws came loose. They were going to come out anyhow, so they came sooner than later. They, they took it out, and so uh, he, he is being checked over there in Ireland. Of course, he captured the 2011 Breeders' Cup at Churchill, and he's the only three-time winner in the history of England's Coronation Cup. All right, uh, we just got a little bit of time here left before we get on to uh, Craig from Time Form, and uh, let's go over again some of the top 
races from last week. We already covered the Travers, the Personal Ensign, and the TVG Classic. Um, how about the test stakes at Saratoga? Grade one, going seven furlongs. It was Sweet Lulu. Dan Illman was our handicapper last week, and he gave us the trifecta in here, paid eighty-two fifty. He likes Sweet Lulu, uh, the speed horse that got faster every start, shipping him from the West Coast, had never raced at Saratoga. Jerry Hollendorfer, though, he's in the Hall of Fame for a reason. Pressed the pace, dug in, got headed, and came back to win. So it was Sweet Lulu on top of Wildcat Lily, who was Dan's long shot pick. And then in the third spot, was my happy face, who was my best bet in there. So uh, 82.50, I hope you had that in the, in the test stakes. Well, in the King's Bishop, not often we see fields of 14 and uh, a grade one. Luckily we did. What it did was it produced a, a huge upset in here. Capo Bastone, 28 to 1. Of course, it was still trained by Todd Pletcher, who had three horses in there. And... Uh, uh, coming home at 28 to one, he was tenth at the half mile pole. Got up for the rally at 28 to one. Second was Mentor Kane, who had the lead by four in the stretch. Got caught at eight to one. And third, Central Banker, who was kind of a question mark horse from the L Stall Horse, 22 to one. Hope you had the trifecta, sixteen thousand six hundred thirty nine dollars for that trifecta. Well, that's a look at most of the big races out there on the the scene. We're going to come back. Hopefully, we'll have Craig Milkowski talking to us about Timeform USA and his interesting background and entrance into racing. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern time. On the Voice America Sports Channel, the talk doesn't get any hotter. 
Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me right now is a gentleman I've never had the chance to uh, meet or uh, talk to for any length of time, so this should be an interesting interview. His name is Craig Milkowski. He's the chief figure maker for Timeform U.S. Uh, he's the founder of PaceFigures.com, where he developed an innovative approach combining final times and fractional times into one overall rating for each racehorse in every race. Uh, Craig has refined the approach to include pace projections for upcoming races based on prior results. Uh, his methods have earned a loyal following for well over a decade at his website, uh, which uh, has spurred the move to Timeform, capital U.S. Uh, and first of all, Craig, I want to thank you very much for serving 23 years in the United States Air Force. I understand you retired in 2008 from Supreme Headquarters Allied Powers in Europe, Belgium, where you were a network administrator. Thank you very much for your service to the country. Well, thanks, John. I appreciate that. Well, Craig, with that being so much of your your military background, let's rewind the clock and and tell us how did uh, Craig Milkowski become involved in racing? It actually goes back a bit before the uh, Air Force days. I was a uh, a good high school friend of mine is Larry Comas, who's the track announcer at Gulfstream in the winter and Monmouth Park. And I also calls the Kentucky Derby on network television now. And uh, his father at the time actually was responsible for the sound systems at the Maryland tracks. And uh, he just talked me into going, and I got hooked that way. He would hang out in the announcer's booth trying to learn how to call races, and I was trying to figure out how to bet them. Now, uh, while you were in the, the military, were you able to, uh, to monitor racing and keep your interest up? Or is that where oh, you refined oh, absolutely. the scientific I was at the method track, of timing? Uh, yeah, my first 10 years in the Air Force I spent in New Jersey, so I was a regular at Garden State Park, you know, when, the, uh, when duty permitted and freehold raceway for simulcasting and made frequent trips to the 7-Eleven to pick up the racing form every morning. There, there wasn't <laughs> a big demand for them at the base there. Well, uh, I made that trip myself a few hundred times. Um, now, the, the, the development of your your, your system, um, what spurred it? And if you can walk me through it, 
how does it work? And are you also the time form that I've been reading about over the years that's kind of the European equivalent to a buyer number? Yes, well, it started out, uh, you know, like most people, I was a beginner in horse racing trying to figure out why why the horses I felt would win never won. And I read almost everything I could find from Andy Byer to William Kieran to James Quinn to, you know, anything I could get my hands on, I would read. And uh, it's just kind of a combination of everything I learned, either through books or then through, you know, trying to apply it through my own experience. I started out as a speed figure guy like Andy Beyer and trying to figure out why top figure horses would lose. I kind of gravitated towards the pace and uh, trying to see how the pace affected horses and what happened to their final times. Uh, And I I just came up with some different systems where, uh, you know, front runners, if the pace is fast, they get some extra credit and closers do not and vice versa if the pace is slow tend to enhance the figure of the closers while not doing that for the front runners. It's basically looking for the horses that get the, the best trip, don't get any credit, where those who have a tougher trip do. Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, in, on your, uh, your site, I, I did go and read one part that said, you know, uh, that you can actually come up with a higher time form number running second than if you were the leader because the leader could have had – everything his own way, set soft pace. Meanwhile, that come-from-behind horse had to really grit it out, and he was the one that was running fastest at the end. Am I, am I in the ballpark there? Oh, yeah, you're exactly right. A uh, good example, I heard you talking about the King's Bishop earlier, and uh, I, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I'm sure that the runner-up had a higher figure. Than, uh, Mentor Kane, I believe, had a higher figure than Capo Bastone. Uh, because of the pace was so fast, and he put away some quality speed horses, you know, only to get caught late. And on the flip side of that, uh, even though Zenyatta uh, rarely ever lost, you would see a huge discrepancy. You know, she may win a race by a head or a neck, but she, she will have a much bigger figure than a horse that she narrowly beat who was on the lead but setting a slow pace. Now, um, how uh, do uh, how do you... Uh come to devising your figures i mean do you have do you do it yourself do you have representatives every pack uh is it at every track rather um is it a computer program tell us how you get there well i have one assistant doug salvatore who lives in erie pennsylvania and oh uh, boy nice weather up there (laughs) i guess this time of year it's nice but uh, i'm never going to visit him i can tell you that well, at least, the he, at least anyway. he, they finally have a live racetrack up there, so he's got to be happy about that. Right, he loves it. He actually does the selections in the local paper there, I believe. Uh, he's a real sharp guy. I, I've learned quite a bit from him, even though he's a younger guy than I am. But um, wait, where were? Oh, so what happens from there is uh, I've actually used my computer experience from the uh, Air Force days. And I learned how to do a lot of programming. And I basically take any data that you want, you can get online. So I wrote programs to do all the uh, the grunt work, so to say, all the calculations, all the raw speed and pace figures. And everything's pretty much done for me. And from there, it's just a matter of making the variance. And that's still we do by hand. There's nothing uh, automated about that process. But it's not like uh, back when Andy Beyer wrote his book, you know, sitting down with notebooks and pencils and papers and 
Uh, it probably takes me on a Saturday when there's 35 tracks running. I may do two thirds of them. It'll take me a good eight hour day to finish, you know, to do all the the cards, and then Doug will handle the rest of them. Now, uh, recently the Pacific Classic, uh, there's been people questioning that the, the final time of the classic and that that's where i first uh, discovered uh, you and uh, like i said it looks like you're not the only one that 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 noticed it uh different people have hand timed the races uh, you have the new trackus uh system out there and it seemed like people were coming up with different times if you can just briefly tell us your opinion of what happened in the pacific classic Sure. I mean, I can't tell you exactly what happened. I, I don't know why the timer malfunctioned, but it's pretty clear on the video if you uh, freeze the replay at the finish line when Game One Dude hits, you know, hits the wire well in front of everyone else uh, using video software. You can see the exact time on the video, and from there, if you just deduct the official time, which I believe is two minutes and sixty-nine hundredths, or I don't remember exactly off the top of my head. But if you deduct that time and, and rewind the video back, what you'll find is the horses are still in the gate. The gate is open, but uh, the horses are just barely starting to leave the gate. And the timing's actually not supposed to start until 45 feet in front of the gate. So it's pretty clear there's an error whether the Delmar people want to admit it or not. And, and to be honest, as a figure maker, it doesn't matter to me because we're going to use what we know is the right time. Uh, but my my job would be a whole lot easier if races were timed properly, uh, much more often than they are. Well, what I can't figure out is in this day and age, I think maybe Trackus is coming closer than anything else, that they're using it in, in tennis now, and it sounds like they might use it partially in baseball, is why every horse doesn't have a microchip put in its lip when it's a yearling. And we'd never have to deal with this again. Do you, do you see that as the future? Yeah, there's the technology is definitely out there to improve what we have now. We just, and that's part of why I brought this up in a you know a grade one million dollar race to to shed some light on this because, like I said in the article I wrote, this happens much more often than people would want to know about. Uh, there's you know there's times every week, several all around the country that are just totally out of whack with reality. And yet, you know, they get printed right in the PPs. Well, and and I know that uh, I've been in many a daily racing forum office, and quite frankly, chart calling itself is very subjective. Uh, It's a very difficult job for a guy, let's say, in these bigger races to track, you know, 14 horses and where they are at every point of call. Uh, Certainly, at least track us gives you some idea whether a horse was far out from the rail or into the rail and exactly where he was at the running of each race. Well, um, through through your site, tell us again. My listeners are proud. Hopefully, I've uh, piqued their interest. Uh, how do you, how do we get to Timeform US, and what are we going to see when we get there? Well, when you get to Timeform US, it's just www.timeformus.com, and uh, what you're going to see is a, a different looking platform than you've probably seen in the past. But it's it's still not radically different from traditional PPs and that you're not going to recognize what you're looking at. Anybody who's used to reading, uh, you know, any of the popular PPs that are out there, they're going to know what they're looking at. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. And uh, what we offer is I believe there's two free races a day. You sign up for free, 
And uh, I know for Del Mar and Saratoga, there's been they pick one race from each track, and usually the best race, the feature race of the day. And uh, you you can dive in and learn anything you want. There's also a uh, we have a YouTube channel with tons of videos to educate people on everything, all the ratings and how stuff works, and it's uh, it's very well done. Uh, there there's still stuff I'm finding on the. Uh, the site that you know that I, I work for him, and I haven't found everything yet that's uh, beneficial to the horse player. Again, um, is, is this related in any way, shape, or form to the, the time form numbers that I've seen uh, in Europe, or is that just a similar name? No, it is. Uh, they are. We are partners with them with Time Form. Uh, we work very closely with them. Uh, our numbers are not made the same way, obviously. They, they, for the most part, don't even do sectional timing in Europe. Some tracks do, but it's, uh, you have to dig to find it. It's not a, a, a normal thing there. But one of our goals was to put our ratings on the same, a very similar scale so they can be used for comparison when horses ship, you know, here to the States. Well, uh, and I great. think we've really accomplished that goal. All right. Again, uh, give us how we get to, to your website www.timeformus.com, is that correct? Yes, that's it. All right. Well, Craig Mikowski, thanks so much for uh, spending time with us here on Winning Ponies. We try to educate our players uh, as much as we can and give them uh, as many options as they can to get themselves to the winner's circle. I wish you nothing the best, and again, uh, thank you for your service to our country. Okay, thanks for having me, John, anytime. All right, Craig Milkowski is there, and up next in the batter's box, it's none other than one of my favorite cappers, Byron King from the Daily Racing Forum. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Every Wednesday, you'll want to talk sports with touchdown Tony Collins and his co-host Bill Mattis. Tony's broken records and has been to the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl. We'll talk about what's happening in sports every week with news, action, and notable guests from all aspects of the sports world. We'll also involve you by discussing questions and topics of interest sent in via email from listeners all over the world. Become what you believe. Tune into Sports Talk with Touchdown Tony Collins, Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Sports. Every Wednesday, you'll want to talk sports with Touchdown Tony Collins and his co-host Bill Mattis. Tony's broken records and has been to the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl. We'll talk about what's happening in sports every week with news, action, and notable guests from all aspects of the sports world. We'll also involve you by discussing questions and topics of interest sent in via email from listeners all over the world. Become what you believe. Tune into Sports Talk with Touchdown Tony Collins, Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Sports. 
This Is It Sports is an engaging talk program that includes you, the experts, and sports, all moderated by Coach Carl Hargrave. We'll talk about what's going on in the general sports world, collegiate and professional, take a look at youth-oriented sports, athletic development and sportsmanship, faith, and where it has its place in sports, along with a lively discussion with Coach Carl every week. Tune in to This Is It Sports with Coach Carl Hargrave every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. All right, and with me from the Daily Racing Forum, one of my favorite columnists, handicappers, and people in the game, one other than my man, Byron King. What's going on, my friend? Oh, same, John, and yourself? Uh, doing good. These are exciting times in racing. I mean, uh, you know, you get to the end of August, and... You know, both coasts are, are, are putting on great shows. Uh, even though it's not going to happen till the fall, it's, the horses are starting to kind of separate themselves as to who might end up for uh, the divisional champions. Certainly, we learned nothing about that this week in in the Traverse Stakes, uh, a race where we're, a lot of people were wondering uh, if it was going to be a, a breakout race for Verrazano and stamp him as the horse he was. If the Derby winner Orb with his uh, unconventional way of coming into the Travers would would jump to the front, or if uh, uh, Palace Malice uh, it was it, who appeared to be on an ever improve uh, w- was going to stamp himself as the the three year old to catch, and then all of a sudden the coach D Wayne Lucas, who's only batting like three percent at Saratoga, jumps up with uh, will take charge. Uh, how did you uh, look at this jigsaw puzzle this week? Well. There is a uh, always a we'll put it this way. I think Palace Malice was the best horse in the race. I thought he had a a troubled trip. Um, you know, this is a horse that typically lays uh, very prominent early, and he broke poorly and was you know second to last or something, and then of course had to circle the field. So I thought for him to run fourth, the nose behind Orb uh, was really quite a performance in defeat from Palace Malice. Um, that said, I think his poor break kind of allowed, um, you know, the door to open for some of these long shots. And But, I mean, who would have thought? It's really amazing. You know, I, I did not pick Orb in the Kentucky Derby, um, you know, uh, but, you know, he was so dominant. Boy, after he won, you know, it just looked like... It was it was his division, right? And and uh, yeah. it's really remarkable how um, you know suddenly this thing is wide open. I mean, it's all going to boil down to who runs a good race, probably against older horses, will probably determine it. So uh, the championship. It, it really will, and it, it just uh, I can tell you what right now for those that. Uh, uh, 
that palace mouse and were disappointed. The horse had an extra 175 pounds on its back, which was me and my wallet. So uh, you can. It also had me too. For a second there, I thought you subtracted 10 off me, so I was going to be very appreciative of that. Because uh, <laughs> I packed 185, so uh, avoid us together. Lord have mercy, the poor fella. <laughs> So that was that was a lot of weight on that horse's back, and yeah, I mean, pretty much at the half mile pole, I wasn't feeling real good. Uh, he was just a, a little too far back. The the pace was not suicidal. Hey, hats off to uh, Eric uh, Goulier, if I'm saying his name right, sending out Moreno. I saw him on an interview on uh, the Daily Racing Form site earlier in the week, and he, he was quietly confident about his horse's chance. He went off at 34-1. to 1. He admitted that he was probably going to be right there with Verrazano, but uh, it was interesting that it was Verrazano that dropped the anchor and not Moreno. It was. Uh, and uh, But, you know, I have known Eric Gilo for, for a long time, and he is like one of these, who would I compare him to? Um, he's kind of like... Uh, the New York Jets football coach, Rex Ryan, just full of bluster, you know. Um, uh, I'm trying to think if somebody else might be a good comparison for those that don't know him. But, I mean, this guy will sound off on just about anything. And, of course, he thinks every one of his horses is the world's greatest. And um, I actually thought it was pretty low class of him to say publicly uh, he had some disparaging comments he said about Lucas. Um Oh, I didn't hear you know, that. Taking him on in the Pennsylvania Derby next, which is a possibility for both horses. Um, you know, he was saying that Lucas's horses rarely put two back to get back to back uh, in the past decade or two. And while um, obviously, uh, I think the 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 glory days of the Lucas barn are, are certainly um, he's you know past that that period i mean who is eric elo to uh criticize the wayne lucas <laughs> you know it's uh yeah let's it, take a look at his uh, body of work but it was in poor taste and uh you know those things are better left unsaid so and then it well, comes out that the horse apparently had some uh abscess in his mouth but of course uh doesn't tell the public any of that ahead of time just only after the fact so uh but that's that so uh well, that's that, and again, you talked about them facing uh, older horses. Uh, just just before we get on to uh, the, the top older horses in the Woodard, um, I don't think there's uh, too much to say about the Pacific Classic. The race was for place. It was, and it was quite a scramble for the place. I had actually, watching it live, it was. I had no idea it was second or third, and part of it was the, the, the video feed, at least what I was watching was the track feed. I'm not sure about the um, the national coverage, but the you know, it was, it was hard to tell who was second. It was quite a bunch finish, and uh, clearly Game on Dude was, was spectacular, and, and um, you know, I, I, I'm in the camp that does believe that the time was wrong on the race, and uh, but either way, you know, if... If you need the time of the race to tell you that he ran a great race in there, uh, you need to put on some eyeglasses because uh, that's, um, you know, I mean, you just had to watch the race to know that he was spectacular, right? So um, whether or not he'll show up on the big day, that's the question with him. He's a little bit of, uh, to date, has been a little bit of kind of a older horse version of Verrazano in that he's looked brilliant in some of these uh, um 
these races. Um, but at the same time, on the biggest days thus far, uh, you know, he's been a bit of a disappointment in the Breeders' Cup, uh, just as Arizona has been a disappointment in the in the Travers and the Derby. So we'll see. It could be just chance uh, on that. Uh, I doubt. I don't know if there's such a thing in choking for horses. I somehow can't believe that there would be. All right, well, briefly, before we get on to, to, to the Woodard, um, I've got to say another scintillating performance, uh, winning in handy, uh, was a Royal Delta in the personal ensign. I'm really hoping that she doesn't or her connections get pushed into going into the Breeders' Cup Classic. I, I hope she stays with the girls when it comes Breeders' Cup Day. Uh, you, your insight into that and, and physical impressions of the personal ensign. Well, I would personally like to see a run. I think it's always, it has a, you know, I look at those experiences of when we had Zenyatta in the in the Breeders' Cup Classic and when we had, you know, Rachel in, in some of these races against the boys. Boy, the public just absolutely adores it, and it brings attention to it. And she's a great mare, and... To be honest with you, what all, all these races that she wins, beyond the money that she's winning, and they don't enhance their val- her value. They don't really make her any more special in terms of we all know that she's the best horse, uh, you know, um, Philly on the East Coast and, and likely in the country, you know. Uh, she's done that. She's proven that, you know. Uh, laid a few eggs going over to Dubai and, and occasionally, you know, runs a subpar race, as horses will do. You know, she did that in the Fleur de Lis, you know. Um, but, I mean, on her game... She's she's brilliant, you know. So I would love to see her try the boys, and um, you know she's obviously proven over that track, and uh, I think that would really could add add to her legacy uh, as to one of the the greats of of of, of you know the past decade or so, and um, I think she deserves that opportunity, provided things go well for her in in, in the coming weeks. I would say go for it, you know that. The man paid what was it nine ten million for, uh, you know, <laughs> you know might as well swing for the fences. You know, you, you make you make a good point because, quite frankly, I think right now, in the general public's view, not that that many people, you know, again, in the general public's view, that that would all of a sudden, because of the publicity and everything involved, would. would launch her into the the realm of a Rachel Alexandra and a Zenyatta as being one of the best modern mares of our time. Oh, absolutely. You know, she would she would fall in that category. And and if she wins the Ladies Classic, or, I'm sorry, they've now returned it to the distaff. If she wins, uh, they renamed it back to the its old title. But uh, if she wins it again, Sure, she's great, but I mean, does anybody? I don't think anybody puts her up there with uh, Zenyatta or or, or Rachel, uh, for that matter. Not that Rachel won it, but she did win, you know, against the boys at Saratoga. Um, you know, I, I think, and of course the Preakness, you know. But I mean, if she is going to be considered among those kind of elite horses, it's something that I think she should do. And what's the harm in in trying? Really, I mean, I, I guess there's some people that believe that. You know, maybe you put them a little more at risk, but I, I don't necessarily believe that. I think that, you know, of course, injuries can happen in any kind of race. And um, But these, these premier fillies have proven that they can run with the boys, and, um, you know, she certainly uh, uh, has the qualifications to run in that race, that's for sure. 
Well, and obviously in the hands of Hall of Famer Bill Mott, and quite frankly, uh, to, to look at her physicality, uh, I don't see why there's probably not a reason she can't. I mean, she she just looks like she is a male horse the way she's been dominating her division. Oh, yeah, and she reminds me so much of AP Indy and how she runs a uh, different running style, but how she drops her head, she... She kind of APND had a very unique way of running that I'm sure many of your listeners recall. You know, he would drop his head real low, and and she does that too. But she just has this giant stride and 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 sustained speed that is a uh, uh, really a um, an amazing trait. She can just keep pouring it on and pouring it on, and um, she's a good one. And uh, I'd certainly. Uh, would love to see her against the boys. I think it would make for a just a highly memorable Breeders' Cup Classic. And um, um, who knows? We'll just have to see if that's where she lands or if she lands in the distaff. Uh, um, but either way, you know, a really remarkable career and a lot of sportsmanship thus shown thus far by her current owner. Um, you know, who purchased her, who, of course, for, for, as I mentioned, close to, I think, $10 million um, a year or two back. So, you know, quite a mare. Absolutely. Well, well, let's let's move on, Byron. Uh, do a little bit of handicapping for our winning pony listeners. Again, we're we're talking with Byron King from the Daily Racing Forum. He's going to start to be a real busy guy here in the weeks ahead because he's got to work a September meet not at Turfway Park but at Churchill Downs. Right now, let's go to the Woodard. Uh, as always, tracking the Daily Racing Forum site. I got breaking news today that uh, Fort Larned. Uh, will be out of the race, which is too bad because I um, sent uh, some communications to uh, B.J. Hernandez last night, wishing him best of luck. And uh, I, I just really like the fact that Ian Wilkes sticks with a kid like him that got him there. But Fort Larned out. Doesn't sound like it's a, a tragic injury, but they just want to err on the side of safety. You know, that brings us down to a field of six. But, man, what a talented field of six. Of course, the question mark horse in here is uh, just great for the sports writers alone, a painter shipping in from the West Coast. And when you look at this horse, you know, it's from the Baffert stable, and you look at this field, this horse has some very dangerous speed in here, Byron. What's your read on this race? It's a, it's a, it's a great field of handicap horses. Well, you know, I did like um, prior to the announcement that he would be scratched because of a hind-end um, uh, setback. Uh, I liked Fort Larned to win this race. Um, you know, with him out, it takes away some of the speed, and also another horse who had been expected to be speed cross traffic was not entered on Wednesday. Uh, with the people, uh, he of course won the Whitney, and they're they're waiting on the Jockey Club with him. So it takes some of the speed out. Um, I do think as handicappers, sometimes we can overanalyze uh, the the pace makeup of these um, big stakes races because the fact of the matter is these jocks and trainers and everybody else they they stare at these things PPs for a long time too and and you'd be surprised how many times or at least I I've been surprised by how many times I think a fast pace is going to develop or a slow one and next thing I know it, it's it, it's something different it it, it it's um, it can all go out the window uh, based on if one jockey sends and one, or one takes back or one stumbles or whatever. But uh, certainly, 
you would think that Painter would probably be on the lead or very close to it uh, and in close pursuit by Mucho Macho Man. Mucho Macho Man kind of brings um, some question marks about his form. He has gradually improved. He was third in the Whitney, uh, easily his best race since second in the Breeders' Cup Classic. Uh, just a big, towering, long-striding horse. Uh, I think he'll probably, by nature of being outside, Painter will probably sit second and, you know, apply uh, mild pressure. But I just kind of see Painter as, here's a horse who has been favored in six of his eight starts. He's very popular at the betting windows. Uh, he, of course, has this tremendous story of, of you know, um, of having uh, come back from near death and, and, and a big following there. And uh, I think those two factors together, this this kind of fan uh, infatuation with him and um, and also just his, his history of getting bet will make him an underlay. Um, I'm going uh, with a horse that is known as a Belmont specialist, but who has deceptively good form at Saratoga, and that is flat out. Flat out uh, won the Suburban in Westchester this spring and early summer at Belmont, but uh, he was third in this race uh, last year behind Fort Larned with a 108 buyer. And the previous year, in 2011, he ran twice. He ran in both the Whitney and uh, the Wood, uh, the Woodward, and he was second in both those races. So he's got two seconds and a third in grade one company at Saratoga, so... He clearly runs well here, too. Uh, he's sharp right now. He's shown that he can lay a little closer. I like that about him. He's coming off a couple bullet works. I think he's uh, an intriguing prospect, and I think he can just kind of stalk. And, you know, you're talking a horse that's made almost $3 million. So um, uh, as the third choice on the line, and I would expect, by the way, for everybody looking at the morning line for the race, bear in mind because... Fort Larned is coming out, you're going to see, you'll be lucky to get your morning line prices on, on, on these horses because, uh, you know, one horse that was going to take a lot of action is, is coming out. But um, he's the third choice on the line, so, you know, maybe five to two or something. He's three to one on the on the morning line right now. All right, Byron. Well, we got about six minutes to power through three more races, so I'm going to put your feet to the fire. The grade one four go. I love seven furlong races. It's right in the middle of a lot of these horses. I think the storyline here is the the Zayat entry of Fast Bullet, Justin Phillip. Uh, we know that Justin Phillip's proven this year has won over a half a million dollars with three races. Uh, you got Fast Bullet, who's the huge question mark horse, leaves the Baffert barn, goes to D. Wayne Lucas's barn, coming in off a layoff, but he looks like he's on his toes coming in off a, a five furlong bullet work. Um, with that said, will they be over bet, and is there somebody lying in the weeds that can beat these two? Well, you know, fast bullets for me is a really tricky one to read. I, I just can't understand it, uh, the whole why you switch barns here uh, situation. You know, this is obviously a horse that has been uh, slowed by injuries over his career. He's run five times, and he's a five-year-old. Um, and uh, his last work came August 13th, and, you know, here we are closing in on um, the last day of um, August on Saturday. So that's a bit of a gap. So I think they're a little bit afraid to, to perhaps um, – they don't want anything going amiss here before the race. Um so he is not my top selection. I respect his immense ability, but I just 
uh, I just have a, somewhat of a, a questionable vibe um, with the barn switch and all that. But I, I like the other half of the entry better, Justin Phillip. He's been primarily a six furlong specialist. He won the Vanderbilt. Uh, but this is a horse that, that used to run longer earlier in his career. He's out of a crypto clearance mare. And I think a lot of the races in which he's run six furlongs has been just because those were the races available to him at the time. Uh, and, um, you know, a lot of the prestigious ones. But, um, you know, he looks to me like he'll get the distance. If by chance the the, the entry does falter, though, I, I think Sage Valley is probably the most likely one to, to upset. This is a horse that's been on a roll. Is a seven furlong specialist. Um, just class is the question for him. He's He's been primarily a grade three type of horse. Uh, so whether he can step up to this level, uh, I guess, is the key question with him. But beyond, you know, beyond the entry, it's not really a grade one group, in my opinion. All right. Well, listen, uh, let's skip out to the other side. We go from coast to coast with our listeners here on Winning Ponies. Uh, again, we're talking to Byron King from the Daily Racing Forum, a uh, horse that stamped a lot of nice fillies over the years. The Del Mar Debutante is a grade one, 300 on the line. Baffert is trying to tie D. Wayne Lucas here with eight winners of the Del Mar Debutante. He's got awesome baby in here. She drew the rail. She's only broken her maiden, but, man, she's done it in fantastic times. I like the fact that she comes up to this race with a really solid six furlong work, and in that work, reading in the daily racing form, she actually had several horses in front of her that she had to split to get up to earn the bullet. So even though she went wire to wire in a fast time in her only start, she's already shown that, uh, you know, she's got a little bit of salt in her. I, I like awesome baby on the rail. Of course, Baffert's got three of them in here. They're all dangerous. Yes, uh, but I, I do think clearly she's his top dog uh, here, or uh, top filly, I should say, uh, but, you know, I, I think some of these other ones in there, he's running a maiden, for example, fascinating, who's, who I would assume is owned by Hill and Dale, is probably really well-bred. Well, it certainly is. It costs $1.3 million. <laughs> so undoubtedly, yeah. they're hoping to get a little bit lucky, maybe get a grade one placing, which would enhance her value. So a lot of times with these fillies, you see a little, you know, placement sometimes ambitiously simply because a third or a second, if they're well-bred, can send their value up exponentially. Um, I think Awesome Baby, you know, maybe her hand is forced a little bit from the fence, but she won on the lead before, setting quick fractions. Uh, you know, I, I just think she's the best horse, and, and um, I've been burned too many times in the past by thinking, oh, I'm not going to bet this horse because of this post. There's just... Uh, there's just too many, too many times that things develop that that allow the horse to get off the rail, or or maybe they clear. Who knows? Uh, but I would expect that she would win this race. Uh, she does not seem to be a, a a an outstanding group. The times of the past um, stakes winners out there have been on the slow side. Uh, Concave won the Sorrento with the 73 buyer, which is pretty modest, to be honest with you. Um, she would be my second choice in the race. Uh, I'm not giving anybody anything they can't easily see here in the past performances, and, and that's why it's a, it's a watch race for me, not a betting race, because I just honestly feel like when I look at the morning line, Awesome Baby and Concave are first and second choices, and to be honest, I think they're the first and second best horses. So those are the kind of races you 
you watch with interest, uh, but unless you unless you feel like you've got um, some difference of opinion with the betting public, uh, I think those races are ones where uh, you want to concentrate where you differ with the public, not when you agree with them. All right. Well, we've been talking with Byron King from the Daily Racing Forum. I see that uh, my vice president, producer Ryan, is saying, John, you got to get out of here. Hey, I want to congratulate the Daily Racing Forum on their new free uh, breeding uh, newsletter. I subscribe to it. I told people at the top of the show that they need to do that. So, uh, you know, you guys do just a fantastic job. Once again, thank you so much, Byron King, for being with us, and I hope to see you soon on the Kentucky. Kentucky Racing Circuit. Thanks so much for being with us on Winning Ponies. And remember, Winning Ponies had a huge week, so make sure you get up on the website, pull down your sheets. I'm John Engelhardt from Winning Ponies. Remember, if you go to the races with a loved one this week, practice safe bets. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.